God of the City, uh, written in Belfast, Blue Tree, one of the biggest worship songs of the last 10 years across the world. And so it's good to think that it's written about Belfast because it came out of this city. But it actually wasn't about Belfast, I think, from my understanding of the song. It was a song that they, they wrote because they were off on a mission trip in some other city. It might even have been in India or somewhere like that. Still things to be done in this city. So today I'm holding it across the two things. Still things to be done in Belfast, and for this morning I'm thinking still things to be done in Onelaku, in Arua. Still things to be done in this city. When I was um, over a decade in chaplaincy, and yes, there was some fun being in chaplaincy. I'm, I'm hearing myself through John's, it's maybe through yours, John, there, is it? I keep hearing myself and I don't like that at all. Now I know how you feel every week. That's a horrible thing. Bless you for still turning up. Um, so I'm 10 years in and I'm thinking, well, what do you do next? I didn't particularly want to do anything next, but if I did do something next, what might that be? And uh, somebody asked me once, what would your dream job be? I didn't know Fitzroy would become vacant, so I couldn't put that into the mix. So I thought my dream job would have been to have gone around all the congregations in our denomination. If I could, that would have taken a long time, I have to say. But I was convinced that unless every congregation in our denomination and other denominations were somehow partnering somewhere else in the world that then they would be less than church was meant to be, they would be less than the disciples they were meant to be, because that was crucial to what church is in the 21st century. So I would love to have been the person who resourced that, who went into a congregation, listened to the congregation. If you had come into a congregation, you would listen to the congregation, see what the congregation were doing here, see what the theology of the congregation was, see what their missional strategy was, and then I would have said, well, I tell you what, then you need to be thinking about working with, and how about doing this, and how about getting involved with and sending teams to here? Then it would have been wonderful to have been able to resource the fundraising, etc. That was because for 10 years in chaplaincy, I did that, and I watched the transformation that those teams were to the community we went to, but actually far more importantly, to the people who went. Far more importantly, to the people we went. It wasn't cynical at the end of my trips to South Africa, but I was far more interested in what was going to happen to my students who went to South Africa than I actually was in the 40 houses that we built over the time that we were in Africa. That was wonderful. There is nothing in the world that is more wonderful than handing somebody a key to the first house they've ever lived in and knowing that they can sit in that house in the rain and it's not going to come in and that they're not going to have the health issues that they've had because they've been living in corrugated iron or wood for the last 40 or 50 years. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I remember every moment I did it. But the impact on the students that went was far more powerful than even the house we gave away. So why would we go? Why did we go to Onelaku? Why am I suggesting we go back to Onelaku? 
Well, the first thing is, we're called. It's just part of who we are. I don't have to say that to Fitzroy. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you, said Jesus to his disciples. Sending. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Belfast, in Northern Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, and right to the edges of Arua and Onelaku. Paraphrase for sure, but that's the theology that's there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then the reading this morning. Wonderful, powerful reading from 1 John chapter 4 about love. We love because he first loved us. The command to love and to go. We're called to it. I believe we're called to it. Second, it brings the kingdom. It brings the kingdom in incredible ways. We got a letter back recently from Onelaku, and um, the, the chaplain in the school, the pa- one of the pastors in the school, the assistant to Bishop Isaac, whose dream it all was, Pastor David. Pastor David says, you were angels amongst us. White people playing with our children. I cannot articulate that that was all we needed to do to change a world for people. It's crazy. Of course I'm going to play with the children. It's the easiest thing in the world. But the impact it is, when white people come from thousands of miles away and go into a place that not only in the world is marginalized, but in Uganda is marginalized because we were in the most marginalized part of Uganda, maybe even in the most marginalized part of Arua. And a bus turns up and white people get out and they give their lives, our young people, to these children for a week. They thought angels had come. God visited. My last day in South Africa with um, uh, uh, Dr. Spiwo Kapili, and he brought me into his office, and we'd been around the day before visiting a few people, and, and, and Spiwo's educated in uh, theology at uh, Uni- Aberdeen University, and very, very educated man, and he, he looked across at me in that South African accent that I wish I could do, that black South African accent that I wish I could do, that Mandela-like accent, and he said, Steve, yesterday white people did not visit those homes. For those people in those homes, God visited Uncle Spiro, it's only me. He said, Steve, for those people yesterday, you were God's presence in their home. They will never forget that moment. The Word becomes flesh and moves in among us. Yes, moves into Wildflower Alley like we were hearing last Sunday night. Yes, moves down into Mornington like we were hearing last Sunday night. Yes, moves into the university like Tony Gallagher was talking about, tell, talking about last Sunday night and encouraging us to partner with the university. Yes, the word needs to become flesh and move into the neighborhood. But Ednar was here from Kampala to remind us that now we have a neighborhood with our name on it that is very far away. But when you go, notice a few of the words in that sentence. Not if you go. When you go, now I'm going to have to say to some of you that you're out of the picture because the oldest that's been is 84. 
So the fields of life have sent people up to the age of 84. So if you're 85 today, you would break a record going, but if you're under 84, your minister is after you because you can go. When you go, you will be God to those people. By just getting on a flight, that's a long flight, and just getting on a bus, and it's a long bus journey, and if you're in any health and safety, maybe the age isn't the issue that you have to worry about, and you just arrive at this school, and you get off the bus, and you go in, and these kids see you, and they run to you, and you smile at them. For a moment in your life, for a moment in your life, you will be God to them. I dream as a pastor that every one of you will have that moment, presence. Janice says to me again and again and again, being here's enough. Being here's enough. Being here's enough. And I never listen to her. But all the feedback from our trip this summer is being there was enough. You were God to these people. I've told you about Cindy lots of times, but I do believe that Cindy is the story that I have that explains this connection and this meeting of God in the connection. I've told you about Cindy. Cindy was um, dying of AIDS. She had about five or six weeks to live. In we go into her bedroom and um, we're gathered around her. We give her a few gifts, very socks are very important. People with HIV AIDS at, the, at their latter stages of, uh, of, of AIDS, um, their feet get incredibly cold. So the socks were the thing that we gave her that she was most excited about. And then um, uh, one of the guys who was there, uh, Javon, was there from America being a pastor in the church that we were with. And Javon said, let's pray. And I just leaned over as you would at the front of a service if somebody's going away on mission trips. I just leaned out and I touched the top of Cindy's very frail shoulder. I'd been there six weeks. I'd said to people the night before, I need to get home. These students are driving me insane. I just need a break. And in that moment... When Javon prayed and I put my hand on Cindy's shoulder, something happened that I will never forget for as long as I live. And I couldn't quite make head nor tail of it until Spiro told me the next day, God visited. Because when I came out from that meeting with Cindy, I had not ministered to Cindy. Cindy had infused me with an energy. I said to uh, Janice was in the van, I think, and Lynn, my assistant, was around. And I just said, I want to stay. Let's stay. They were going, what happened in there? And I realized that God visited. When you do this to the least of these, you do it to me. You do it to me. And that when I somehow connect it with Cindy, the connection of doing it to the least is the place you will meet God most. Michael mentioned it in the prayers, that somewhere among the poor, is the place where you meet God most. My favorite band in the world, Over the Rhine, have a song that says, the, uh, called The Last Time I Saw Jesus. It's a great question to ask. When was the last time you looked into the eye of Jesus? And my other friend, Martin Joseph, who did a little ses- session with us here a couple of weeks ago in the welcome area, he has a brand new song that says, seen a lot of surplus, but in the wrong place. And in the eyes of the broken, I thought I saw your face. In the eyes of the broken, I thought I saw your face. I don't know whether I've told you that other Cape Town story. I probably have. But the first day that I was on the township, and uh, I remember being in the township, 
probably Claire sent me in that first team. No, maybe not the first team, Claire. But and we were on Kyalitcha, this huge, huge um, township. And I was going, why did I come here? What is, why did I bring students here? I was in fear and trembling and that this was a bad decision. And how was this going to work? And within moments, I'd met Jesus in the eyes of the broken around me. Clearly. Suddenly, me, who wanted to bring Jesus, was getting Jesus. And that night, we went into this lovely white church, just like Fitzroy, very, very similar to Fitzroy. And then we went, and somebody opened the service of worship with those words that we use, so throw away, so throw away. You've heard them so many times. Where two or three are gathered, Jesus, you're in the midst, so you're with us tonight. And something triggered in my head that night. And I went, two or three are gathered, you're there in the midst. I'm not denying that's the truth. Of course, I'm not denying that's the truth. But where is it in the scriptures? It's there. But it's there when a couple of people have had a bit of a eye and they're going to sort it out. And he says, because you know that where two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst. And so I started asking, you want to see Jesus? You want to see his face? You want to meet with God? Where do you want to do that? Do you want to do it in the two or three gathered in the nice, wealthy end of town? Or do you want to do it when you reach down to the least of these and you do something for them? So I told this story at City Church about five years later and this girl came up and said, I'm from South Africa. I said, oh, really? She says, yeah, I'm from Cape Town. I said, oh, really? She says, I went to that church. And I'd just given a bit of a hammering to because they were all like nice and white and all the rest of it. But she said, you're right. She said, when I go into the townships, I see Jesus. It brings the kingdom of God and we meet with God and his kingdom. It is discipleship on the field. You bang your head against a wall with students and don't think it's any different. I used to think, oh, let's get away from students and meet with adults because they've all grown up and matured. And I realized that we're all just deeply flawed and we all just get more and more entrenched in our deep flaws. So there was hope when I was with 20-year-olds, but I'm looking out wondering. But it's discipleship in the field. This generation of students... They don't need to just hear it. They need to feel it. They need to see it. They need to experience it. That came to me one day. We're on the fence of a fair trade vineyard, and this student turned around to me, and I'd been banging on about fair trade for years and years and years. Tim McGowan's to blame. Tim McGowan's to blame. But I was. And he looked at me, and he just looked at the fence, and he said, Steve, I get it now. I get it now. If I hadn't brought him, he would never have got it. But he saw it. He experienced it. And he got it now. And I don't think it's just our young people. I think all of us need to experience in the service the teaching of the scripture. Discipleship will not come in conferences. It's why Jesus was very little interested in Christian conferences. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount? Maybe. Maybe the Sermon on the Plain? Maybe. Everything else is on the field. Everything else is engaged with people. In Luke 10, he sent them out two by two because he knew they would learn more going out two by two and getting it done in orthopraxy than they were ever going to do in their orthodoxy of what he was teaching them. The scriptures are far more about doing than thinking about doing or understanding. And actually, all the thinking of Acts, it would seem to me, is having to come together because they are doing. 
They don't get together and get a theology together and then send out with the theology. They're doing stuff all the time and the questions are coming up as they're doing stuff and then they have to theologize it. Mission is the mother of theology. It is discipleship on the field. It is where we learn more about God and ourselves and our part of his plan. It builds community. It changes community. We meet once a week sometimes because nobody comes now every week. And we know each other and we're acquaintances with each other. Let me tell you something. You see when you're on that bus for 10 hours? You see when it's lashing down and we're running for the bus? You see when we're not sure what that meal is that's coming out from the kitchen? You see when all those things happen and we're thousands of miles from home? Community will build in ways that we cannot build it here. You will know each other far, far more than you know each other now. And it instills a hope. To go somewhere like I was able to do for years and give somebody a house and then see another house and then come back and watch Habitat change an entire township. To go and see a school that we built with basically the crumbs off our table. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it wasn't costly that we did that. But really, in terms of what we've built around here, it's a tenth, it's less than a tenth. By the way, I might call on the tenth at one stage, you still owe on like you about £25,000. But a tenth, just a tenth. The change that that does not only to a school or a few pupils, but an entire community is immense. And when our young people went there this summer and they saw that change, I believe that they will now believe that they can change the world because they've seen their church and themselves change the world. That changes their future because they know now, oh, look what we did then, we can do it again. Maybe Mandela is right. Everything seems impossible until it gets done. Now I know that things can get done, so I will believe. It instills that kind of hope. And quite simply, as if you haven't picked it up on the journey to now in this sermon, it changes your life. I think of my students airlifted out of southern Sudan recently, going into Rwanda last week to get students through university. I think of students in Sierra Leone. I think of students who've gone back to South Africa doing choirs with the South African children's I think of the ones here in churches that are involved in fair trade or involved in all kinds of justice things and I know I know that those trips were the things that most impacted the students who lived in Deravolgi Hall and if I was here for another five years or ten years I will not achieve with the students the young people that we had in Uganda this summer I will not achieve in their lives anything like we achieved in their lives by just taking them there for 13 days. There's no point in me trying because I won't do it. Because those two weeks are so, so, so spiritually transforming that I know their lives and their future. Yes, some of them might end up in Africa. Not all of them will end up in Africa. And when we were there, we said to them, this might be the time when you discover that you need to go to Africa. Or this might be the time that you discover you definitely don't need to go back to Africa. But you know that now, and even at home, you're going to change the priorities of your lives because you have experienced your faith, and you've followed Jesus, and you've met Jesus in a circumstance that is impacting right to the core of your being. When your 15-year-old daughter 
tells you that she doesn't want to go to the house you have in Vancouver next summer. She wants to go to Onelaku for her holidays. And that every day she's in Onelaku, she wants to go into that school. You know you've changed the life. You know you've changed the life. I want that life-changing experience for all of us. I know you're not all going. But I'll tell you something. I'm determined some of you that think you're not going sitting here right now are going to be there. Might not be next year. But it might be. Claire's mum was there last night. She said, it took one of them nine years before they eventually said, June, I'm going on that trip next year. I'm looking forward to nine years' time. This is a possibility and an opportunity as a congregation that we have that is absolutely immense. And so I ask you to support it. George has a table over here to my left and my right and your left. If you're interested in going next summer, it doesn't mean you're buying a ticket. There's no vaccinations in the welcome area. There's no ticket on the desk. It's just if you would be interested. Just go up and put your name on it. And then we can follow you up for the next time we might be thinking about what we're going to do in the planning of a team. I imagine whether I like it or not, the Stockmans are going there on a holiday or as part of a team. Join us. And if you can't join us, get really into this project because it's a great opportunity. When I was 18 at Balamina Academy, I said, why do those teams go? Send the money, it'll be far more, far more useful. Uh, I asked Bishop Isaac in the summer under a mango tree, I said, Bishop Isaac, would we be better just to have sent you this money? No, Steve. He said, you coming here is far more important to my children than all the money you could have sent us. Why? First John chapter 4. We love because God first loved us. It energizes us to love, but it commands us to love. Let's get involved in this incredibly wonderful relationship with Onelaku. We're the first church that has named a room after any of the 114 schools that were built with Fields of Life. Three of the Fields of Life uh, employees from Kampala went up and got their photograph taken with that room yesterday. It means a lot to the ones in Kampala. It means a lot to the ones in Onelaku. God visit it. Let's be the word made flesh there sometime soon. There are greater things than this to be done in that city. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we pray for Onelaku. They will have had worship earlier this morning beside the school. Tomorrow morning they will go into that school. And we pray that you would be with them, with the pupils struggling against dropping out of school or helping back in the shambu garden beside the hut or maybe girls just feeling that that's not a future they would have we pray Lord that you would just give them that commitment for education and commit themselves to that education we pray for that school as it shares in so many different things including worship of God and how to follow Jesus we pray for teachers 
We pray for Alice, still the headmistress. We pray for Bishop Isaac and Pastor David. We pray, Lord, that you would help them to know that there's a church far away that cares for them, that loves them, that is praying for them. And I pray for us here as a community. Show us what to do next in our relationship with Onelaku, not just because you're sending us there and commanding us to be there, but because you also know that it would be good for us. May your spirit move even this morning in some of our hearts and souls to say, I never thought about it before, but maybe I will. Lead us to see if this summer we can take a team that can make a contribution there and then bring that contribution back here. Lead us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.